on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com, and I'm delighted to be uh, back on air with you again today. Uh, thank you for joining the show, and uh, it's going to be great today. We're going to talk about great service and you know, the fact that great service is profitable and how we can achieve better results with it. Now, if you've got any questions that you want to raise, feel free to um, drop some notes on my Facebook page at uh, BeMoreAchieveMore, Facebook slash BeMoreAchieveMore, and we'll see if we can answer those for you. Um, since I um, was with you um, last week, or um, actually just before that, I was away on holiday. I was in the north of England in a, a county called Cumbria near the Scottish borders. And unusually, even for England, it had been hot the week before, and people had been walking around in shorts. And while I'd been actually busy working, and there I was a few days later on holiday, standing in 10 centimeters of snow, uh, amazing change of weather, but during that holiday, I came across what I thought was an old tombstone. In fact, it was actually simply um, a kind of sculpture, and it was stating some words of wisdom. And I thought I'd like to share those with you, because I thought they were fascinating. It said, ideas melt like snow in an open hand. How true. If we don't capture great ideas, they simply melt away. And I think during today's show, it would be well worth having a way of recording your thoughts and ideas um, so they don't melt away, as we discuss um, great customer service with a, a truly international expert on customer service, Paul de Troyes. Now, make sure um, that you therefore record them, but not only that, put them into action. So like me, do you ever get frustrated when you receive poor customer service? Now, as an Englishman, I have to say, I find customer service in general is only now starting to catch up in the UK with some of the service levels I've received on visits to countries like the United States and South Africa, for example. Um, a recent visit to an electronics retailer left me feeling actually about 10 centimeters tall. Um, but last week, on the contrary, I was absolutely delighted. I visited a number of English castles with my family that were maintained and run by an organization called English Heritage. Their service was absolutely excellent. I found the staff at each site friendly and absolutely full of enthusiasm, also pretty switched on at selling professionally too in an authentic way. And guess what? We decided to buy an annual English Heritage Pass. The service for me shone out. Um, after their experience, actually, at um, one or two Scottish castles, 
Now, how much more likely are you to use, recommend, or even pay more for products or services when service is great? Now, I'm actually telling many thousands of people about English Heritage tonight, today on this call, my experience, and you know, the word gets around if service is great. However, do you regularly take the time to hold up a mirror in front of yourself or your business and challenge the level of service that you provide? In an age when there are often multiple alternatives to your products and services, customer service is a big key differential. So I mentioned today, I'm delighted that we have another great guest dialing in again, actually from South Africa. Paul Dutrois is renowned throughout South Africa for his sellout, mind-blowing customer service seminars. He's also a man of action, having just completed uh, the Two Oceans 56-kilometer ultra-marathon on Saturday, and actually for the eighth consecutive time, and he managed a personal best in the rain. So well done for that, Paul. In 2008, in New York, Paul became Africa's first-ever certified speaking professional in 24 years. Now, in the UK, being certified can mean something entirely different. However, I can assure you, being a, a CSP, a certified speaking professional, is an extremely high accolade in the speaking world. He's also a coach. He's an authority on great customer service and business presentations. He's author of a book, You Can Present With Confidence, a book he kind of gave me a copy of when we met last year, so it's great to return a compliment and have him on the show. He has a financial services background. He earned lots of quality awards while he was doing that. And his experience in sales led him to founding the Congruence Group in Johannesburg during 1995. He's been changing mindsets all over Southern Africa ever since. And during 2005 and 6, was elected president of the Professional Speakers Association of South Africa, a sought-after honor among the speaking fraternity. Uh, he's been invited to speak at numerous international conventions, and he's uh, actually he's a humorous and internet, very uh, inspiring um, guy. And he's, uh, he, he had um, a number of um, has a, sort of a winning attitude award-winning um, sell-out, mind-blowing customer service um, seminars that he's, that he's undertaken. So welcome, Paul. Hello, Chris. How are you today? And uh, specifically from sunny uh, South Africa, where the humidity is 40 degrees and the temperature is 19 degrees Celsius with a gentle breeze of about uh, 10 kilometers per hour. I don't know. You do, every time I speak to you, you manage to rub the weather in. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful here. It's actually about. And it's even worse, it's, five, it's just past five o'clock in the afternoon. So you can imagine we're sitting here basking in this glorious sunlight. How lovely! Well, we did two weeks ago. We did have twenty-three degrees Celsius. We had about two weeks of absolutely stunning out-of-season weather, and then it, the temperature plunged the following week. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I think we're back to ten degrees and sunny now, but um, it was uh, it was amazing a couple of weeks ago. Might have even given you a run for your money. <laughs> I'm sure. So, Paul, I want to know, um, just uh, so starting off, I remember when I was in South Africa, our hire car got trashed by baboons, and my wife almost trod on a puff adder. Does the wildlife encourage you to run your ultramarathons even faster in South Africa? Well, uh, Chris, the ultramarathons are pretty well subscribed. So if you can imagine a bunch of runners in their kit descending down Chapman's Peak, <laughs> I think if I was a self-respecting baboon, I'd head for the hills. So I, I don't think they're any match for us. But, um, yes, I think that uh, in, 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 in South Africa, being, being in that situation can be quite interesting. <laughs> so let, let's get on to customer service. The concept of customer service seems to, be, seems to be nothing more than pure common sense, really. But why do so many companies still battle to get it right? 
Well, that is a great question. And I think it's rooted in the fact that we are relying on individual people to give great service, but we don't always give them the guidelines in order to do so in the context of what the company is expecting. Now, let me go into a little bit of, of, of depth here. Very often you might experience great customer service from an individual in a company. It doesn't necessarily mean that that company is good, but at that point, uh, the reflection on the company is very good indeed. What it might mean is that that person has been brought up well, they've been brought up to be nice to people, and they just happen to be a pleasant person. But in an organization, what needs to happen is that there needs to be a, a service culture that needs to be inculcated into the brand of the organization so that when any customer happens to phone in or have a, a touch point as such in that organization, that there is a consistent brand of great customer service. In other words, that there should be a certain level set and, and everybody in that organization should do that. Now, if, if one has to ask oneself the question, why doesn't that happen very easily? I think a, a good way to answer it would be to look at it from this perspective. When we get up in the morning and we decide on our goals for the day, uh, generally we look at things like, well, I've got to do some shopping and um, I need to watch my favorite show on television and I need to take my child to school and I need to do this and that. So our general pattern of behavior focuses in on what's in it for me. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, today I'm going to give great service to a stranger. Just mm. like you don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to go and buy life insurance because it, it, it's not the kind of thing that really enters one's mind. So although customer service is good common sense, we don't automatically do it unless there is a behavioral pattern or unless there is a definite context. And that is probably why organizations find it so difficult. Do you think it also depends, though, on the, the personalities of the people? Um, because I know some people are much more kind of externally focused and aware, and some people uh, operate a bit more inside their heads. And I know, you know, going to the airport, for example, sometimes you get people that you meet who you know, are really very helpful. Other times they're busy kind of sorting things or the administrative things out and are almost oblivious of the fact that you're actually there. Well, very much so. You, you see, that could be one or, of, of both or a combination. In other words, they could just be a nice person or they could be a person who has been trained on certain levels of customer service or they may be both. Mm -hmm. um, one doesn't necessarily know that, but you'll soon find out when you have various contacts at that airport or at that store uh, with various different people, you'll soon pick up whether there's been some training, whether there's a, a consistent culture in the organization or whether you just happen to come across a nice person. Yeah. yeah. I, I was mentioned earlier on the intro that I had this experience with going to a number of different English heritage sites last week. And what I was very impressed by was the fact that consistently, wherever I went, the people were very helpful and engaging. Um, well, so I generally... That's probably down to training. That is generally down to training, yes. Uh, there is another thing that's fairly important, is that when you're recruiting your staff, uh, you should be looking for people that fit in automatically with the culture of your organization. And if that's already been set, uh, then you're already at an advantage. Uh, mm. But I've often heard organizations say, you know, I've walked into 
uh, this particular shop or I've gone to this hotel and the service was absolutely fantastic. I wish I could get it like this in my hotel or in my shop. And I ask them, well, what are you actually doing about it? They say, well, we don't quite know what to do about it. And the, the, the bottom line is that it's not something that will just happen automatically unless you focus on it. So customer service is something that one really does need to work on a little bit. But the good news about service is that you, once you've got a, a culture inculcated into your organization and it's reached a certain level, it simply takes good management. Um, we refer to it, in a sense, as greenhouse management in order to maintain it at those levels. But there needs to be an investment to get it there. I guess the other thing is that with things like social media today, if somebody doesn't have a good customer service experience, it can suddenly be all over the Internet, can't it, quite quickly? Well, you raise a very important point, And um, it, it raises the question for me, why would people want to give great service? Now, if you were to think of this example, there's a, uh, a general dealer in your neighborhood. They're the only general dealer in your neighborhood for six miles or for 10 kilometers around. So people have no choice but to go to that general dealership. So therefore, the level of service might not be a great priority to them. But if three other general dealers had to move in on that street and suddenly people have got choice, then suddenly that general dealership is going to have to do something very quickly to make sure that people still keep coming to him, especially if he's been rude to them previously. So one of the reasons that people are forced to up their customer service is that customer service is, in fact, driven by complaints. And if you look at the value of a complaint, a complaint is about one of the best feedback mechanisms that any store can possibly get. But unfortunately... Uh, so many businesses react wrongly to a complaint and try and avoid it, whereas you should be doing exactly the opposite thing. So the whole customer service principle is a very, very interesting one. Something needs to be done about it in order to get it to the right level. And there's no doubt today that if you get it wrong, you could have your name splashed all over the place and there's not much you can do about it, yes. except to fix it quickly. Yes. Yes. I was looking last night at a hotel for a holiday that somebody recommended to me, and it got a number of uh, great kind of references on the Internet. However, there was one where somebody had had their, their case um, go missing while it was in the care of the hotel, and they were so frustrated they had to go to county court to sort it out. And yeah. it, it was such a black mark, actually, on, on a lot of great, um, I don't know if this is circumstances to all of that, but on a lot of great feedback, and that's so visible. Yeah. Well, what, what's in... What's so interesting, Chris, is that when there is a complaint against your organization um, and you've been given the opportunity or some feedback from that customer to fix that complaint, it gives you the most unbelievable opportunity to appear better to the client than you did before the mistake because of the way that you dealt with it. Mm. So we teach our clients not to fear complaints but to use them as feedback and to be extra vigilant at handling them really quickly because what people want is an experience of you caring about them. That's what they're really looking for. And if they can see that something went wrong, but you dealt with it correctly, uh, the chances are very strong that they'll come back to you. And not only that, that they'll speak to a whole lot of people about the experience that they've had with you. 
absolutely. Well, we're going to go to a commercial break now, but we'll be back again to continue very shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper again, talking about great service with uh, my guest today, uh, Paul Detroit. So, Paul, um, I'd be interested to know, from your perspective, what is your definition of great service? Uh, Chris, when my expectations have been met or preferably exceeded, then I will feel that I've received great service. So if they've been met, you can't really say that it's great service. When they've been exceeded... Uh, that would be great service. But there are different ways of looking at uh, at your expectations being met because they might be met in terms of delivery or they may be met in terms of the way you feel. Um, and we we refer to that really as my two sides of the coin principle, which, uh, which I, I developed to try and explain why people often miss one another when they think they're giving great service, but the customer doesn't think so. Oh, I see what you mean. So I see, yes. So there's a, a difference between the two. One, one thinks it's going well and the other doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you're not aware. What, what, I, what I found interesting in what you were saying there was, you know, it was, about, it was about a feeling. So it's about the feeling that a person comes away from when they've had an experience with you. Is that correct? Uh, very much so. You, you see, Chris, what we, we have found is that um, people are wired in a particular way. You asked me a question about what is my definition of great service, and I gave you an answer. Now, you can get many different answers about what great service is. Uh, some people may turn around to you and say, well, it's when I get a good feeling, or it's when um, people are nice to me, or they smile to me, and they make me feel happy. Somebody else might say to you, well, it's when people deliver on what they promise on time. Now, those are two fairly different things. And as humans, we tend to be wired dominantly in one of those two areas. So either 
uh, delivery or the feel good. Now, for an organization, in order to give consistently good service, we recommend that they identify what their dominant wiring is. In other words, if their dominant wiring is that they regard good service is simply when they did what they said they were going to do, then that's good enough. But if they then had to come up against a client who wants to feel good as well, they will walk away and say, well, that wasn't good service. And then the supplier will say, but I delivered it on time. And the person will say, yes, but I didn't feel very good about it because you were abrupt with me. Mm. So one needs to have that balance where the area that you're a little bit weaker on, you need to up that area while maintaining your strength in your dominant area. And if you can get those two sides of the coin balanced, then you tend to find that the service in your organization is, is really good. I guess that's why it's maybe helpful to have somebody like you, know, you looking at an organization from the outside perspective to help, help put the mirror up to them so they get a real sense of what the you know, external people feel about that service as opposed to what they may feel about it. Well, very much so. In fact, no, no company should ever start any customer service interventions until they've had some kind of, um, until the supplier of that service is going to come in and, and, and look at what's going on and get a feeling of what the service is all about. So it, what it's, it's really important to get an outside opinion of does the service work and, and then to ask questions, what was good about it, what wasn't good about it, what could we have done better, and very importantly, what are we already doing well? Because the focus so often is on what are we doing wrong, what are we doing wrong, but very often an organization may be doing a lot of things right. And when you're so busy focusing on what you do wrong, you forget to do what you were doing right. Yeah. And you have to, have to I guess, also think that you know, life is, and business is a journey, isn't it? You never really ever reach the final destination. It's about uh, taking stock of where you are and how can you improve, how can you raise your standards. Uh, very much so, and it's 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 really a bit of a bit of a moving canvas. You know, you can you you can get a situation where, in actual fact, your service is improving, but the marketplace is becoming more difficult. So you're not immediately necessarily seeing results in the bottom line, but it's going to happen. You know, Chris, I think one of the things that I find so interesting about the what I call the service advantage is that it is a relatively cheap difference to make within your company. If you think of the things that you need to spend money on to keep a company going, you know, if you run an airline, you need to spend money continually on fuel. Uh, you need to spend money on maintaining your aircraft. You need to spend money on employing staff. Now, you're going to be employing those staff anyway. They're going to be there. But if you make that small injection of capital into getting those staff members up to a certain level of service, and then your leadership kicks in and maintains that level of service for you, um, it's going to cost you nothing to keep it going. And that's the incredible advantage of service. But very often it's not seen as being important because it's not seen as being a bottom-line uh, driven function. However, it, it can have a big impact on the bottom line, can't it? I mean, do you have, uh, do you have statistics and about maybe what the return on investment might be or could be from shifting your level of service? Or are there too many other factors to consider. Look, it, it, it would depend very much on um, the, the type of industry you're in, um, the, the nature of the business, the size of the business, the market that you're in. Uh, so there's nothing that you, could, that, that you could really take out as a statistic and say, well, if you do this, then that will happen. It's something that really has to be measured. But there are some 
uh, and it's got to be measured specifically in the context of that business. But there is something that, that is very, very important, and that is that we have continually found whenever we've put processes into organizations that where there is no management buy-in or a weak management buy-in, we almost never get results. Because what happens is the training will make people aware, but the implementation is um, fueled by good leadership. So when the leaders are not only encouraging um, the, the staff to, to carry out what they learned on the training, that's the first step. But the second step that's most important is that they need to be walking the talk. And that's the tough part of it, because if you've got a management team where half of your management team is great on service and the rest are saying that the troops need to be trained but they don't need to set the example, it's going to be very, very difficult to get that culture up to the level where you need it because it's not something that we naturally do. It's something that has to be, in a sense, trained into people. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I find that with my the, the work I do with, with boards and teams is that yes, if that, that, that leadership team aren't completely bought in, even, even sometimes one key person who, who says they're for it but he's only paying lip service to it, can actually be enough to sabotage the whole project. They've got a yeah, big so. influence. Mm. So you but you know, as to... far as people are concerned, Chris, um, the, the whole concept of service really starts with the human being themselves. Because if you have a customer-friendly attitude towards all your interactions with all the people that you're dealing with, then customer service will come naturally to you. It's not something that you really have to work at. Um, unfortunately, what very often happens to nice people that are demotivated at work is that they're nice at home, but their personalities change when they come to work mm. uh, because they're demotivated. And this is why it's so important that organizations should not only focus on the external customer, but they should focus on getting on well with their colleagues, bearing in mind Many of their colleagues may not have been people that they would have automatically chosen as being house friends, but you need to work with them, so you need to find ways of cooperating with them. And if you can do that, you tend to find that those eight hours a day that you spend at work uh, are pleasant hours rather than changing your personality when you come to work. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah my, my, my experience of uh, leadership, of um, great leadership, is really a couple of key principles really setting the vision and the strategy and getting people to but the second thing is getting people to buy it buy into it and uh, yeah. ensuring that people are motivated and the relationships are strong to actually make it happen and if there's too much you know stress on the numbers and things like that that can start to have an impact on um on people focusing on that second area about everybody getting on well and uh, because if people are happy they they are usually happier in front of the customer too it well, the, the other thing, Chris, that is so important and it really tags into what you were, you're speaking about now is that when people are consulted and their input and their feelings are taken seriously, they will spontaneously be happier and give better service. Mm. When people feel that they are not being listened to, that they're not being taken seriously and their concerns are not being addressed, they will in fact rebel and whatever training you're trying to put uh, into effect just will not work. In fact, it might even go the other way. Yeah. What I, 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 again, I'm coming back to the example I had last week, but what I liked was people were just so enthusiastic to tell us about the history of, of, their, 
of their castle that they were looking after. They, they yeah. were, and, and the organization, they just were really um, passionate about it, and it was very, very engaging. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that says a lot about the, the culture. Oh, very much so. You know, Chris, I had an example uh, once of, of where I was a little bit tight financially, and I got offered an overdraft facility by a rival bank. So I thought, well, this is my opportunity. So I, I took out um, another current account. That time I then had two current accounts going. But what was interesting is when I went to the new bank, there was this glass barrier up. I used to wait for a minute or two before the teller would actually pay me any attention, and then it was a raised eyebrow rather than, uh, good morning, sir, can I help you? Yet when I went into my old bank, they would greet me by name. I'd usually have four or five people saying, hello, Mr. Dutrois, before I'd even got to where I wanted to do my business. So when eventually my old bank manager phoned me up and said, we noticed you're not putting so many deposits in your account. Is there a problem? I said, no, I've just opened another account. And he wasn't too keen on this and wanted to get me back and said, well, what can we do to get you back? Well, he didn't have to do a lot because the customer service in my old bank was so much better than the new bank, even though I had a better overdraft facility. But I worked out something with him closed the account with a new one, and was back to my old bank again. And it was based on service, and I've been with them ever since. Yeah. That makes a huge difference in, in the differentiation, doesn't it? We've got about yeah, three minutes that. until we go to commercial yeah. break. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you, there's something you mentioned earlier on, um, which was about touch points, and I was interested to know what you, what you really mean about those and what they are. Yeah. Well... Your brand, your organization's brand, or your personal brand, if you have a personal brand, is out there. And people don't have your brand in front of their face all the time, but there will be uh, minutes, seconds, moments when they encounter your brand. It might be walking into a store. It may be picking up your product off the shelves. It might be seeing a billboard. It might be interacting with one of your staff. That's what we refer to as touch points. Now, one of the service opportunities to, is to make sure that every single touch point that you have with a customer enhances the perception of your brand rather than doing the opposite. And that's what we really mean by touch points. Now, when you're dealing with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis, in other words, person to person, those are particularly powerful touch points. And those are great opportunities to engage with a customer, make them feel welcome, make them feel needed, make them feel that they belong to your brand almost so that when they speak about your organization or your brand, they don't talk about the hairdresser or the mechanic. They talk about my hairdresser, my mechanic, or whatever it might be. And when people are speaking about my followed by your brand, you know that they are committed to you uh, as opposed to when they use the word the in front of it, then they will leave you if they get a better deal somewhere else or they are made to feel more welcome somewhere else. As, as a really interesting little test, maybe, for people to think through their yeah. customers and think how many of their customers are actually referring them to them as, you know, my, my mentor or my mechanic or my hairdresser or whatever your organization is. It may yeah. be worth, uh, worth considering that, isn't it? Oh, very much so. We're going to go to another commercial break now, and after that we will look at some of the fundamental elements sorry, of great service. Back again with you in a couple of
from the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of bemoreachievemore.com, and I'm talking about great service with um, Paul de Troyes. Um, Paul's... Um, live from South Africa. And Paul, um, what I'd really like to ask you now is what are, what are the key kind of fundamental elements from your experience of, of great service? What are the components? Yeah, g- a good question. I think firstly, uh, one needs to expand one's definition of service. Uh, and just as an example, you know, someone may walk into your shop and they ask for something. Now, it's not necessary enough just to give that product to them and you know, mark it up on the till and let them go. Because if, you know, for instance, a clothes shop. Um, I'm a man. I don't go shopping that often. Uh, I might walk into a clothes shop and want to buy a belt. And I come in there and say, do you have a brown belt for me? And they say, yes, here's a brown belt. And if I had to walk out there with just a brown belt, uh, it's criminal. Because that salesperson has the opportunity to show me their range of shirts. I mean, I'm in the shop. I've turned myself in. So they can show me their range of shirts, uh, they can sell me two suits, um, a million pairs of socks, and so on and so forth. So very often we, we kind of sit there and the customer comes in and we just do what we ask, but what is it that they need from us that they haven't asked for? And uh, I think the first point is expand your definition of service. The second one is, and this is quite an interesting one to me, is redefine who your customers are. Now, typically, in customer service, we just refer to our customers as, well, the external customer, the person that comes to the till or the person that buys our product. But those are not the only customers we have. What about our internal customers? Now, this is a concept that became very popular uh, in the 70s, uh, talking about the internal customer, talking about how important it is to really interact in a positive way with the people that you're expecting support from within your organization. And it's become a very, very big thing because what we sometimes lose sight of is that we spend time interacting with our internal customers much more than we do with external people. What I mean by that is 
your face-to-face time with people that are in your store or in your shop is far more than the one customer who may walk in and out once every six weeks. It's very important to keep those relationships going and also to realize that any human being that you have dealings with is a customer. So that includes your wife or your husband or your children because you've made a commitment to bring home certain things to them and do certain things for them And if you're not spending enough time with them and giving them enough attention, then why are you actually doing all the things that you do? And effectively, we practice our customer service skills at home. So you'll find that somebody who, uh, let's say, treats their children with disdain probably also treats their employees with disdain. A man who treats his wife uh, in an unkind way or doesn't give her enough attention probably also doesn't give adequate instructions to his secretary and spends a lot of time shouting at her and frustrating her because he isn't giving proper instructions in terms of her work. So redefining who your customers are, to me, is vitally important. And we really need to see everybody that we're dealing with on an ongoing basis um, as a customer. So, so really, that, other, yeah? that's, that's anybody, really, who uh, you know, has, has a need from you. Yeah. So, Chris, you can people... even take it further because, you know, if I'm a bus driver and I'm delivering a busload of 50 people to their workplace in the morning, and I decide to stop and uh, have a meal and drink uh, something and you know, just delay all those people, and I end up delivering those people to their destinations 20 minutes late, I'm affecting a whole lot of indirect customers that I'm not even in contact with because we have a role in society. So... Imagine if in an organization you've got everybody raising their level of service. Imagine if you've got everybody in a town raising their level of service. Imagine if you've got everybody in a country raising their level of service, as happened in South Africa when we had the World Cup. We had this buzz going, and everybody raised their level of service. Uh, you have magical things happening. <clears throat> can, can I just raise a little, uh, a little thing that frustrates me sometimes? And... There are certain people, and it may be worth thinking whether people who listen to this call, whether, whether this is you, but there are certain people who, for example, postpone meetings more regularly than others or postpone, you know, postpone conversations because something else has cropped up. And I don't, I don't know if you, you find if somebody is regularly postponing, actually it causes chaos for everyone else. Well, of you course know. it does, but it also gives you a clear message that you're not a priority to them. Yes, so yes. that translates to being rude. Yes. And, and in reality, if you don't have time for somebody and you keep postponing all the time, you're giving them a very, very clear message. So it's better to be direct and say, um, I w- we're not wanting to talk about this right now, but I'd be very happy to chat to you about it in a few months' time. Or say to them, I would like to deal with this. I'm under pressure right now. Can we deal with it in three minutes? And if the person says yet, uh, yes. You've then got a little contract between the two of you. It's only going to take three minutes, and then you deal with it accordingly. But postponing and putting people off and that, that's just plain rude. It is, and I find it interesting, you know, somebody who does that, what you tend to find, and I I mentor a lot of people, and and often they're talking about, you know, the same individual who's doing it regularly to lots of people, to his team, Um, and it does, you know, I think it flies in the face of customer service, doesn't it? Um, And it doesn't, you know... It creates uh, an impression that I think affects the brand of that individual as really not being reliable, I think. I think it certainly does, and you normally find that that kind of 
behavior is habitual. Just like somebody who continuously delivers good service, it becomes habitual. It just becomes part of who that person is. Um, to the point where being punctual is habitual. If you look at the workplace, I can guarantee you that it's always the same people that pitch up early. It's always the same people who fly in by the seat of their pants with half a minute to spare. And it's always the same people that are late because we have habitual behavior. And it's not very difficult to change it, but we need to make that commitment to make the change. Yes. Make sure we're aware of it. So sometimes getting the feedback from others can be good, can't it? And then uh, yeah, doing something about it. Yeah. Chris, you asked me about the fundamental elements. I've got, I did. I've got uh, one more here that is quite important. Okay. And that is to make a conscious decision to like people. And this can sometimes be difficult because one doesn't always feel comfortable with everybody and one doesn't always naturally gravitate towards everybody. But from a customer service perspective, we are having to deal with other people more and more, almost regardless of what our job is. And the best example that I like to use is that people sometimes say, well, I don't like dealing with people, therefore I'm a computer techie or something. But a computer techie is one of the people that has got to have the best uh, computer skills because when somebody's computer breaks down, it is extremely irritating and they get very emotional about it. And the first thing that the computer guy has to do is calm the person down before they can even look at the machine. So if you have poor communication skills and you don't give decent feedback to the person and you're fiddling around and they're sitting there getting more and more irritated because they don't know how long it's going to take, you see where it all fits in. So we've reached a stage today in business where it is so important just to have those people skills, uh, to exercise good customer service, and to try and put yourself in the shoes of the other person when you're dealing with them. Ask yourself, what's it like for them? What do they need from this? And how can I help them to be satisfied with the service that they're getting? Fantastic. And so, so that, is that all about, that's all about so, you know, developing a, well, a customer-friendly attitude? Yeah, developing a customer-friendly attitude. And um, I, I, I think that is really a fundamental base around which it all goes. Just make that decision to like people, uh, develop the attitude that whenever you have an interaction, you're going to put a smile on your face. You know, in, in, in South Africa, most organizations have uh, fairly stringent security that you have to go through when you park your car and then when you go into reception. Now, it's a time waster. Um, and very often they ask you to sign a book, so you've got to put your details in a book, and, you know, it's, it's irritating. But the point is, the security person is simply doing their job. So what does it take to put a smile on your face, be pleasant to the person, wish them a nice day, and just be a pleasant person to deal with? It does a lot of things. It makes him feel better. It makes you feel better about yourself. And as you then drive off to find your parking, um, you're in a better mood and your meeting is going to go better. So what tends to happen when you develop this customer-friendly attitude is that all the interactions that you have are better. You're affecting the people that you're having the interaction with, and they are then passing off that positive attitude onto the people that they deal with. Great. Great. Um, so something, a, a little technique I find helpful is, is to imagine if I've got a meeting or a conversation on one of these um, shows is to actually imagine before it happens is that it, it, it's gone well and that uh, you know, there's a warm energy and you know, everybody is going to benefit from it. And just yeah. that thinking it through and imagining it, um, it going well, people being happy and having a good outcome 
it seems to be that uh, I find a much higher percentage um, of those meetings turn out positive. Well, you can really psych yourself up into any mood that you want to, regardless of what is happening. Um, and I, I think the point you make there is, is, is very important and very valid. Um, I remember before doing one particular presentation where I had an absolute nightmare of a setup in terms of service. And I literally had 10 minutes to psych myself up before the presentation. And I, I made myself feel upbeat. Um, I said to myself that I've got a whole lot of people that have paid to come and listen to me. When I went on stage, I was all juiced up and I gave one of the best presentations that I'd ever given. And it was simply because I'd changed my attitude from what it was 10 minutes previously. And we have the ability to do that. Yeah, yeah, because if you'd gone in with that, uh, that attitude earlier, you would probably have, uh, um, the, the response that you got probably would have reflected it. Yes, and, and of course when you're doing a presentation, you want to start off strong, don't you? Absolutely. Well, we're going to go to a commercial break again now, and I think what I'd just like to touch on after the break is we started to talk right at the beginning about when things go wrong, and I think it would be good to, yeah. um, to have a chat about how to actually deal with that when things go wrong. So we'll be back again in a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. Um, back again with uh, Paul Dutois. We're talking about great service. And, Paul, before the break, I mentioned that it would be great to have a, a conversation about how to deal with problems and mistakes with customer service you know, when, when, when things go wrong. So what are your tips there? Well... The reality is that things do go wrong. Uh, we're, we're in a stage now where a lot of things that have been automated really work very well indeed. But if all automation worked perfectly, and that includes computers, uh, the theory is you wouldn't need people anymore. And we do need people, and people are still employed. 
and they're very often employed to sort out problems. So my, my take on problems as it pertains to customer service is that we can do our very best to make sure that things go smoothly, but things do invariably go wrong, and they go wrong because accidents happen. People drop things, they misread information, they're in a hurry, they're under pressure. There are all sorts of reasons why things don't necessarily go according to plan. Now, as a result, from time to time, any organization is going to get their fair share of unhappy customers or people that we refer to as complainers. Now, a complainer is somebody that we don't like the look of and we don't like the sound of because they are upsetting our perfect day. And when they come along, the the normal stock reaction of most people would be, you know, do I need this nonsense in my life? Well, the answer to that is a very resounding, yes, you do need it in your life, because when somebody is complaining, it means that something pertaining to your offering, whether or not it's your fault, something pertaining to your offering has gone wrong in the eyes of that customer. And your job is to fix the perception of the customer to their satisfaction and the opportunity is to make that client feel better than they felt before there was even a problem. Now, I understand that the Chinese don't have a word for problem. They refer to a problem as a dangerous opportunity. Mm. So we try and teach people to look at a, at, a, at a problem as a dangerous opportunity because it's an opportunity to make things better uh, than they've ever been before in the eyes of the client. And if you, if you think about the psychological reaction that people have to a problem, it's normally irritation because the product is not performing as it was supposed to or something was delivered late or whatever the problem was. So if they come to you for help, very often they're emotional. When they're emotional, we as human beings take that as a personal affront. So we think that the person is shouting at us, wrong, they're not shouting at you, they cross with your company but you as the representative of the company is the one who's getting it in the neck. So the first thing is not to look at it as a personal affront. Look at it as a very nice person who has a problem and they've come to you to set it right and use um, your communication skills, uh, use your good nature and your great attitude and focus specifically on what can you do to get things right for that customer. Now, one of the first things that you can do is you can actually listen to them. <laughs> it's, it's vitally important that you don't just jump in there with your solution because very often, if you haven't listened to them, you haven't understood what the problem is. And the words that they are most wanting to hear from you is not you defending your product or defending it or saying it wasn't your fault or whatever it was. The words that they want to hear are, and this is something that you can write down, they want to hear the words, Let's see what we can do to sort this out as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And if you say that to your customer, you've immediately started the process where they're going to start calming down. You can get the facts from them. Uh, you can check whether you've got all the information right. Uh, you can then go about suggesting, well, if we do this, is it likely to solve your problem? If they agree, yes, that will be fine. You can go about telling them how you're going to go about it, how long it's going to take, what they can do in the meantime, and you can go about solving the problem, keeping in touch with them, and then getting the thing sorted out. Now, I've summarized what I refer to there as a problem-solving cycle in just literally a few sentences. But that's the process you go through when you're solving a, a, a customer problem or a customer complaint. And the end result is the person feeling better than 
at the beginning when there was no problem or no complaint. They had their complaint, they came in, you sorted it out, and they've now got a brand new view of your organization. Yes, yes. I'm thinking back to that example I gave earlier, the, the missing suitcase in the hotel. You know, yeah. to, to have a situation like that, it, there'd have to be something pretty expensive in that suitcase, really, for it to, you to allow it to get to a county court. Um, yeah. You'd, you'd have thought, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Um, what, what, I, what I noticed with people like, um, and there's been sort of, sort of train disasters and things like that, um, and political disasters, it, they seem to be resolved much more effectively if someone gets out there very quickly and gets onto the scene and, um, and, and is, you know, is visible right from the beginning. I think Richard Branson well, has done this very well in the past. And yeah, very much so. I mean, w- what's happening today is that there are, um, there are organizations that teach disaster management, and uh, there are companies that are going into this in a big way because they're realizing the, the, the damage that is caused to their brand when big things go wrong like that. Uh, and it's, it's something that's very important to do. Uh, not only that, but um, managing the way that you handle the media if it, if it goes on television or on radio. Uh, that also needs to be done uh, very firmly, very decisively, and um, and telling the truth. Because the moment you steer away from that, you run into all sorts of trouble, and then you start getting lambasted not only for the problem, but the way that you handle the problem. Yes, yes. I wondered uh, what 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 are the key messages that you'd really like to leave people with after listening to the show today? Okay, well. There are are some messages that one can give to everybody, and there are other messages that one gives specifically to leaders. Um, I think to to individuals, uh, the the first thing I'd like to encourage people to do is to ask yourself, what is my personal definition of service? And if it's wired towards delivery, then ask yourself, well, how can I improve my, uh, my delivery in terms of making people feel good so that you've got that great balance of the two sides of the coin? The other thing that I think people can do is to realize that the more pleasant that they are, the more helpful and pleasant that they are to deal with, um, the more that they are going to be helping other people and making their own experience of the workplace and their interactions uh, a lot better. But from a, a leadership point of view, I think it's critical for managers, for leaders, for company directors to understand that the way that they are behaving on a day-to-day basis, especially with regard to their interactions, is going to be rubbing off on their staff, just like children copy their parents. Um, and if, if a child comes out with a swear word and the parent turns around and says, where did you get that from? Very often the child might reply quite correctly, from you, Dad. So it's about leading by example, and it particularly pertains uh, to customer service, because you will find that employees will adopt the behavior of the people that they look up to. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I just noticed that we've got um, slightly longer than I thought, we've got about four minutes to the end of the show. So we've got a couple of extra minutes. And I, and I was thinking, when you were saying that, uh, about you know, the, the, le- the leaders setting the example, some organizations I've come across seem to have a lot of kind of systems and processes that sometimes make it quite difficult for people to be as customer-friendly or bend the rules as such as they might want yeah. to. Is, is, there, is there something about maybe the leaders also just taking a look at those systems to make sure that they uh, serve the customer? 
Yeah, well, what happens is that, that companies get sold new systems. You're going to get a fantastic new system, and it's going to work far better. Now, that's all very well, but the first thing is that systems need to be implemented properly so that everything talks to everything else. That's the first thing. The second thing is that people need to be trained properly on how to use those systems before those systems are let loose on the general public that you're serving. And very often the feedback that I get when I'm speaking to people about service is that the systems themselves prevent us from giving the levels of service that we want. So when everyone puts in a, serv- in a, in a system, one should ask what are the customer service uh, implications? Now, one of the examples that that I like to use is my very first experience of visiting the United States of America was in 1981, and I had never experienced service anywhere in the world like I did in the United States of America in 1981. I just thought Mm. everyone was incredible. They were always friendly. They were smiling. They were helpful. It was always your welcome. And then 15 years later... I went back to the United States of America, and I actually found that American service had, to a certain extent, dropped off. And I cited an example about how um, I'd gone to um, a, uh, a gas station, which we call a petrol station in South Africa. Right, and, oh, you've got about um, a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And I, and I pulled up with my car, and I was, being, um, I was waiting for somebody to serve me, and nobody did. And when I w- walked to the kiosk, the chap kind of looked at me as if I'd crawled out from under a stone and said, yeah, what's the problem? And I said, well, uh, is there anyone to help me to put my gas in? And he said, well, it's self-service. Now, clearly, he could have picked up from my accent that I was from somebody else, and maybe I didn't understand the system that worked there. And that, mm. to me, was a pretty good example of somebody just not you know, using the system but not actually using their initiative to try and, to, to try and help the customer. Fantastic. Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, um, Great to have you on the show. If you want to find out more about uh, Paul and his work around customer services, go to um, www.pauldutois.net. Um, also, do also join us for next week's show. We'll be talking with Derek Mills about setting personal standards. Now, Derek increased his sales revenue um, for his company by 10 times, and it had such a startling effect in his company uh, and those around him that he's now speaking all around the world about it. He's been asked to star in a movie, The Keeper of the Keys, and... Uh, I think he'll be an absolutely fascinating individual to talk with, some very different perspectives on things like, you know, whether you should set goals and that sort of thing. So um, that's next week. Um, Paul, thank you very much again. You're welcome, um, Chris. Wish you well. Um, if you have any questions for us to answer on the show next week or feedback, please do send them to info at bemoreachievemore.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, or leave um, um, comments on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash bemoreachievemore. And uh, thank you for those who came back to me about, um, about doing some work around their, their sort of talent dynamics sort of profiles and things. So wish you, wish you well. I look forward to speaking to you again uh, next week at the same time. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com.